Welcome to My Therapist Retired with your host, Carrie Taylor. In this podcast, we'll journey through the incredible impact of therapy. We'll learn how Carrie's path of learning to get real led to her becoming her best self. More importantly, this podcast is about you. It's about connection and growth. Join us each episode as we engage in meaningful conversations on our path to self-discovery. My Therapist Retired, your guide to becoming your best self. Here's your host, Carrie Taylor. Thank you, Madison, for doing this. I just wanted to introduce you, and if you don't mind giving us a little background about yourself, it's Madison Moquin. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a I'm a licensed master's level social worker. I'm actually still pursuing my clinical license. So my background is in social work. I got my undergraduate degree at Belmont, and then I got my master's in social work from UT, UT Knoxville, but I did the satellite program that's here in Nashville. And most of my background actually was in healthcare. I worked in a hospital setting for about seven years, worked briefly for an insurance company, and then I've been at Refuge working as a as a therapist here for almost three years. Yeah, two and a half, three years now. So still relatively new, but I've really enjoyed my time here so far. That's fantastic. Thank yeah. you again for doing this. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about stress. I know everybody has a certain level of stress in their life, but I don't know if they really know what stress is. Can you explain what stress is? Yeah, absolutely. So I when stress, I think about your body's natural response to some sort of external stressor or trigger. I think about it often as a call to action, responding to signals that say something's not right or we need to do something. But And I also think about stress in, in different categories. I think about like chronic stress and the implications of that, just situational stressors, kind of brief situational stressors. And then I think about like acute stress, which can sometimes be harmful and requires a different kind of care and attention. When you talk about acute stress, that makes me think because some of my background is in healthcare too. It's something that goes on right away. So can you explain the difference between that and just a regular stressor? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if we're going to stay with the healthcare example, I think about when I worked in oncology and just all of the extreme stressors that are happening in that scenario. So you're worried about your physical health. You're worried about your future. There's financial stressors that are involved in those those situations, like the situational access to resources, maybe interpersonal relationships with the medical team, family dynamics. There's just so much going on in a situation like that. And it's all compounded on each other. That would maybe put someone in a situation where would be considered an acute stress versus situational stressors might be like, I forgot my work bag at home. I was already running five minutes late to work. I have to turn around and get it. There's traffic, things like that, which are also have implications and, and need care, but just a different kind or a different level of stress. And do for situational, I know I've been in that position as I was trying to fix the Zoom this morning because I have a new yeah. laptop. So yeah. <laughs> your heart rate goes up a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
you start sweating a little bit, or you're not really sweating, but you feel the heat coming on. You want this to be, you're going to give yourself plenty of time to work out any kinks or in preparing for a big meeting or those things. So is that kind of that response to a stressor, even if for that example, situational, that some of those physiological things happen to your body? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, it can be frustrating. And I think a lot of us have a tendency to respond to that with judgment or again, frustration, but I think it can be helpful in those moments just to normalize that. This is something that's important to me. My body is responding naturally in this way. That's okay. And then as we talked briefly before, pulling in some of those coping techniques to be able to care for that in the moment to slow down that nervous system so that you can show up your best self in those moments. So we we do tend to be hard on ourselves. It seems like when you do something you think is so stupid or you think is, I can't believe I did that. And then you just, not only are you stressed, but then you beat yourself up over it. So you're talking about slowing down. What other techniques can someone use just to calm themselves in those situational stressors? Yeah. So I think about internal processes like self-compassion, some mindfulness um, practices, but tangible things that you can do is something like just as simple as deep breathing. Just taking a moment to pause, um, take some deep breaths, maybe practicing some guided imagery with that can be helpful. But I, I think the self-compassion piece and the mindfulness piece is, is super important. I encourage clients to use like the language that they use in those moments is super important. Instead of saying, I'm so stressed out to just say, I'm noticing myself responding to this stressor right now. And just that language that you use in that moment can be really helpful in separating yourself from what you're experiencing or what's happening in the moment. I think it can feel more empowering and offer that compassion. I think sometimes if I tell myself, no one, I know this is extreme, but no one's dying here. Absolutely. Let's put it in perspective. But sometimes it's hard because again, like you said, everybody's situations are different. Everybody's stressors are different and what may be big to one, not so big to the other. And I know we're all different and we handle things differently. But generally, what would you say are some of the big things that we stress about or are our stressors in life? Yeah, I think about work-related stressors. I think about financial stressors. I think about stressors in the context of relationships, life transitions or life changes, health challenges like we talked about. Those are some examples that come to mind immediately. We So my husband and I just moved recently. Uh, it's been less than a year. We both had, I'd say, stressful positions and looking to make a change, especially him. He's a, a pulmonary doctor and having okay. been through COVID and that sort of thing, looking to make a change for less stress. However, as we moved to get to the place where we could have less stress, there's still stress because the moving, the trying to build yourself up in a new community. You've never lived here before. I haven't. He has. But there are all these other things. And then you have a little more time to think about them. And it almost makes the stress worse. Mm -hmm. And it's different. Mm -hmm. So I'll have to remember to do it. Some of the intentional thinking about doing the breathing and being Mm -hmm. intentional about this is a better stress than what we were probably 
going through, but it's still a stress. Yeah. And also, I think reminding yourself that this is temporary. I think giving yourself that validation, this is really hard right now. This is a hard season. This is a hard moment. And I was intentional about this decision. Hopefully, the long-term implications of this decision are going to be rewarding. And yeah, I think just reminding yourself that this too will pass. That's a good way to look at it. I've always tried to keep my level of stress down because it almost can roll into what to me feels like anxiety. And I know that's a whole topic, but can stress, can too much stress lead to that? And because there are certain times myself and I'm sure others feel like you almost can't get it under control. And it may not be a big deal as my past retired therapist used to say, sometimes instead of responding, you're reacting. You need to learn to respond because Mm -hmm. everything was like, it was bigger. Can that stress sometimes lead to anxiety if you can't, if you don't have the tools to get it under control? Yeah, absolutely. In preparing for this conversation, I pulled out this document that I often use with clients and it's just an example of a stress curve. So it's, yeah, it's looking at like performance versus stress level. And if we have too little stress, we can be almost inactive or or bored. So there's categories here of too little stress, which they call underload, optimum stress, which is just enough for that call to action to keep you going. Um, Again, some of these things are important to you, your movement, there's movement behind it. Um, And then there's this kind of critical point at the very top of this graph here where you start to dip into too much stress or overload. And that's where you can start to experience fatigue, Exhaustion. Some people might consider that like getting into burnout even, especially if you're looking at work-related stressors. And past that, you're exactly right. That's when you start to get into the category of anxiety, panic, maybe some resentment or anger. And then obviously the extreme end of that would be the burnout or the breakdown. So our director at Refuge, she always says that sweet spot, if you can try to stay just outside of your comfort zone, right? Because that's where you're still continuing to grow and challenge yourself, but you're not overwhelmed and you're able to stay in that window of tolerance and show up as your best self. That's a little bit uncomfortable, but not so much that you're in a panic. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's what this podcast is is pushing me out of my comfort zone, hopefully not to a panic level because it's a passion. I have felt that. So what is there? Can you tell? And I know everybody's different, Mm -hmm. but is there a difference physiologically from just having those stress? You can say, okay, I, I know I'm feeling stressed because these things are happening to my body versus on the edge where now I'm feeling panicked, I'm feeling too anxious, I can't get it under control. Are there certain things that someone would say, okay, I can tell the difference between these two? Yeah, I know I mentioned briefly the window of tolerance. So Uh that comes to mind with this question. And just like you said, everybody's different. Everybody's window of tolerance might look different. But when you have chronic stress or even trauma, that window can often shrink. So for some people, that might be really small. Others might be able to handle a lot. But I think on the top end of that, you're looking at a state of hyper arousal. So again, like we said, anxiety, anger, feeling out of control or overwhelmed. You might notice your body's desire to fight or run away. And it's not something 
something that you are consciously choosing, like your therapist said, it's more reactive in nature and it just takes over versus the other end of the spectrum might be more of a state of hypo arousal. So you might notice yourself getting spacey, zoning out a little bit, feeling numb or frozen. And this is your body just trying to shut down. Also, not necessarily something that you choose. It's just that self-preservation piece coming up. Your body recognizes this is too much for us right now. So we're going to do what we can to keep you safe and just slow things down. Of course, that would be an extreme example, not the intentional slowing down so that you can respond, but more of a disassociative state probably. So those would be some of the warning signs. And I think that even people who might have a tendency to jump into that state of hyperarousal, they can also, it's all situational. They can show up in that state of hyperarousal depending on what's going on. So those would be some of the warning signs that you're not in your window of tolerance and and it might be time to start to implement. I would say at that point, it's definitely time to start implementing some of those coping skills to get you back into a place where you feel grounded and oriented to the space around you. Yeah. And for anybody else who may have gone through something like that, I know some I have have felt that way. You wake up some days and you feel like I can't do anything. You almost feel paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And then somehow you self-talk through it or you get up and you just start moving. You just start doing Mm -hmm. things. So it can come and go. It's not. Can some people get there and just not come out of it? Yeah, I think about like panic disorder or a state of chronic anxiety um, versus like a depressive episode. Certainly, yeah, those would require an extra level of care and attention to get you get you out of that. What just to go back a little bit to just stress in general, I know there's something to do with cortisol. I like to blame my belly fat on that. So um, can I just keep doing that or see if I work on my stress too much and I have to have another excuse for my (laughs) but I have heard that it lives in that space. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, when you face a a perceived threat, which might sound dramatic, but it is essentially stress, like that's what your body's doing in that moment is perceiving some kind of a threat, your body is going to release cortisol and adrenaline. And cortisol is the primary stress hormone. It increases sugar and it enhances our brain's use of glucose, which is helping the availability of substances in the body to repair tissues. Um, But it can also slow functions that would be non-essential or harmful in a fight or flight situation. Yeah, a lot of people will talk about the cortisol and the belly fat or even just the increase in appetite and that sort of thing. So yes, you're absolutely right. That is a normal response. And I think that's just another example of when you can offer yourself some of that self-compassion this is my and body's not okay response to stress. it's okay to yes. eat the chocolate you sometimes it is absolutely yeah sometimes it is oh and next time i do that i will go ahead and just blame it on stress so <laughs> some and then there's sometimes i think when i'm overly or you feel overly stressed sometimes too just like with anything else Maybe you don't eat. Your reaction, depending on whatever the situation is, you're, I guess you can be an emotional eater with stress. Either way, you're either you can eat and comfort yourself that way, or you can just not eat because you just can't. You can't think about eating and all the stress going on in your head at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess it's worth mentioning the awareness piece, like recognizing, oh, this is normal, but you still have a choice of how you want to respond in that moment. And I think just asking yourself, what do I need? Do I need the chocolate? Sometimes the answer is, yeah, I do. Absolutely. I'm 
sometimes it's, this is actually going to make me feel worse afterwards. Because, you know, things like diet can contribute to distress as well. So just being mindful of the consequences and looking at the short-term relief versus sustainable self-care. That's true. That's a good point. When earlier you talked about, I'm not sure if you called it long-term stress, but you caught chronic stress. Yeah. How does that also affect not only your mind, but how does it play out physiologically? If someone is, if you have situational stress over and over again, can it then turn into some sort of chronic stress? Yeah. I don't know why this is coming up for me, but I I think about challenging family dynamics, maybe issues in parenting, things like addiction in the family, something like that that's that's ongoing and that, yeah, it does have long-term implications. So the first thing that comes to mind is something like blood pressure, right? And if we're sticking with just physical examples, but also headaches, muscle tension, fatigue, even things like skin irritation. I have clients talk about hair loss, fluctuations in weight, nightmares, dreams, like you mentioned, loss of appetite, increased appetite. These are all kind of examples of how stress can impact us long-term. Yeah. So like you said earlier, it's good to have some tools to get those things under control because it really can, it sounds like just really mess your body. I can imagine high blood pressure, then say your diet turns bad, you could high cholesterol. It sounds like a lot of things could go wrong if you don't get your stress under control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are there also, you mentioned, you you did mention some in there, but like the kind of the mental signs can stress at some point just, and I know we talked about anxiety, but can it just kind of mess with your head so much that you can't, is it it too, is another tool for that the same as just awareness, self-care, or else you just, I can be obsessive so I can obsess over something that's stressing me out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I was actually experiencing that firsthand this week. We as a staff, uh, we're all traveling together and left super early in the morning, came back late in the evening, had to jump right back into work. And I definitely noticed myself the day we got back, I think a lot of it was sleep deprivation, but just being almost disoriented, right? So yeah, I think you can have fuzzy, disorienting state of mind. What other things come up? Just your judgment might be a little bit impaired difficulty making decisions, worrying, like you said, these are all signs that I'm responding to some stress in my life and I'm going to need some extra care. Another sort of analogy that our director will use is she talks about like those kind of old school scales that were at the grocery store. And she talks about if you've got two pounds of bananas over here and that's your stressors that you're managing in your life right now, it's going to be super important for you to balance that out with two pounds of apples or whatever, which is going to look like self-care to make sure that you stay balanced. And it's not always going to work out perfectly. Sometimes the scales might tip one way or the other, but just to be really intentional about taking good care of yourself in those moments, because that's ultimately what's going to get you through those transitions or those moments of higher stress and out on the other end. Would you say, do you think stress has changed or it looks different over the years? Do we, and this is a two-part question. Yeah. 
And then do you think social media also plays a big role in stress that maybe we didn't have 40 years ago? I didn't have, I was 13. Did I, I did have some stress because I was in high school or junior high, but yeah, has it changed and does social media have a big impact on stress? I think so. Absolutely. And I'm sure a lot of professionals or researchers that have more experience in that topic would agree. I think, again, I can look at my own experience with social media, people around me, and just noticing the difference when you're intentional about taking breaks. There's been periods where I've done like a little social media detox or cleanse and just noticing how much more present you are. Maybe I notice myself having a greater capacity for gratitude practices, which can also help care for stress just think it's a lot of extra pressure and there's this element of comparison that can be damaging in nature. So I would say short answer, yeah, absolutely. I think social media can be a huge stressor for everyone. And I think I have especially a lot of compassion for the younger generation who haven't really experienced anything different. Yeah. And stress, I feel feel, feel like I hear everybody's busier than they ever were and that maybe that brings on more stress. I don't know if there's, if you studied anything that caused the change or or is everybody's tolerant, uh, less tolerant than they used to be with certain things. I know I probably have, I had little patience. I probably have no patience now as I get older, or maybe that's reverse. I probably have a little more patience now than I did, but what do you think's happened that everybody's, it seems like no one's taking a break anymore. You talked about the balance of self-care with the apples and the bananas, but I don't know if anyone's giving themselves that time to really check on their mental status versus just being busy all the time and staying stressed. Yeah. Gosh, I have compassion for that too. That sounds impossible to me. Of course, easy for me to say because I work in this field, but... You've had all the tools. Not necessarily. I just, it seems second nature to me to always want to check in with yourself and and care for those things. But I also think our bodies are resilient. Our systems are resilient and they'll adapt as needed. And when I think about people like that, they're constantly in a state of just going and never taking that moment to pause and check in or take good care of themselves. I imagine that if they got to a place where they had space to do that, there would be a lot there to to care for and that it would all be compounded and catch up. it's never too much to care for it. It's always important to take time and space to do that. But I just think about, yeah, the long-term implications. I'm, I'm always encouraging intentional rest and intentional play and things like that to balance out all the work and the, the have-tos in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So just as a kind of wrapping it up, wrapping up stress, because stress could go on for hours though the conversation, yeah. could, but I definitely don't want to take all your time. The few things you think someone could take away today and start doing, I know you've mentioned them along the way, but just as a kind of close out, can you name those few things somebody could start doing today to try to help with just their stressors in their life? Yeah. So I think the first thing would just be to start implementing those mindfulness practices, even just in your internal dialogue. Just I'm noticing myself responding to a stressor right now. What does that mean? Why is this showing up? How can I choose to respond to this? Also normalizing the experience, adding that layer of self-compassion. I think deep breathing, I know I mentioned briefly earlier, is a huge one just because it can slow down the nervous system and it can slow down that racing heart heart or maybe the anxiety that you're experiencing in your belly or your face being flushed or all these like external symptoms of of stress or anxiety. 
Is there a certain um, uh, amount of deep when you're in the moment? Yeah. Just take as many as you can in that moment, deep breaths, or is this an intentional practice that you might do starting the day before you even start thinking about what's going to be a stressor for you that day? Yeah, I think you can do both. I think if you're being proactive about it, you recognize that today's going to be difficult. So I'm going to start my day maybe with a guided meditation, or I'm going to do some deep breathing or a mindfulness activity in the morning to set myself up for the day. You certainly can, but I think deep breathing can also be used in the moment, right? When you start to notice those things showing up. And I'm happy to give a specific example if that's something that you're looking for. That'd be great. Yeah. So I think about when I practice my own deep breathing, I picture like a stoplight in my mind, but instead of the three lights, I picture five. So I will breathe in to the count of five in my mind using the imagery of the lights going up, holding for five seconds, and then slowly working your way back down. And then when you think you've got all of your air out, I will like literally drop my body and let anything else that's there come out. And then repeating that for five times is really helpful. Sometimes the extra experience of just having your hand on your belly or your chest, just so you can notice your your stomach or your chest expanding and falling with each breath can be helpful. And then something else that comes to mind is, you know, you can use this any time of the day, but I think about at night, if there's difficulty sleeping just due to your mind racing, thinking about all the stressors of the day or what's to come, is targeted muscle relaxation. So being intentional about moving up your body and just tensing up or tightening a certain muscle group at a time and then releasing them. Typically, you start with your toes and work your way all the way up. And there's different apps or resources that can be helpful in guiding people through that so they don't feel like they're just winging it. But that can be helpful to release some of the, the physical tension in your body that's associated with stress to you. That's it. I'll have to try that because I definitely, I can go to sleep, but I wake up. So I'll have to try that tensing yeah. of all the muscles to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I just, what real quick wanted to go back to chronic stress and someone maybe dealing with sickness, some sort of illness. Mm-hmm. Do they use the same tools or do you recommend the same tools for someone going through something, an injury, a sickness? Because it sounds like some of those things may be long term and their body may continue to respond to that over and over again as they're going through that. But they're also trying to heal themselves in some way. What do you recommend the same tools for them? I think you can practice those tools. Certainly, I I think something like that, I think it would be really helpful to actually find your own therapist and have ongoing conversations about what's going on in your life so that the therapist can help you adapt as needed to what's happening. I think about journaling. There's a lot of power in fully processing what's happening, writing it out, just getting it out of our head, sometimes either on paper or sharing it with someone that is safe, that we trust. There's a lot of power in that. Just it can physically be a relief for a lot of people and you're not doing it alone either. Yeah. No, I like that too. Because sometimes you do, you just hold so much in your head. It's good to just get it on paper and that's good advice. I really appreciate you talking to me today on all the different stressors and letting me know that it is okay that I eat chocolate when I'm stressed. (laughs) 
Sure. We have I'll some. Uh, know. <laughs> yeah, we have some guided meditations here at Refuge. That one of them even um, encourages you to have a, a piece of chocolate as part of the experiential. Yes, I can uh, using all those senses um, to take care of ourselves can be a good thing. Yes, wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it, and I've learned a lot about stress. And hopefully we'll be able to put some of that into practice because I definitely need to. So thank you again, Madison. You're very welcome. Yeah, you are welcome. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of My Therapist Retired. If you like the podcast, make sure to leave us a review. If you want to keep up with us, subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you get a notification every time we release an episode. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This show is brought to you by Acres Media Solutions. With over a decade of industry experience, our company helps bring your podcast ideas to life. Whether you're a seasoned media personality or a beginner with a laptop and a story, Acres Media Solutions can find what works for you. We are client-focused. That means we partner with you from the ground up, fostering the podcast journey from idea all the way to distribution. To learn more, visit AcresMediaSolutions.com. That's AkersMediaSolutions.com. Akers Media Solutions, podcast from the ground up.